Hey guys, this is Damon Johnson from Brother Kane, from Alice Cooper, from Thin Lizzy and Black Star Riders. You are listening to my man Brando on Appetite for Distortion on iHeartRadio. Come on. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 132. It is Brando. And before we continue, of course, Mike Squires from Duff McKagan's Loaded doing our theme song and if you haven't noticed if you're not following him check out his couch riffs podcast it's a, a podcast and also a video podcast he gets cool rock stars to come hang out with him on his couch in, in brooklyn and play music and chat so that's pretty cool uh my name is brando and coming up in just a few moments uh damon johnson will be our guest for this episode and i got a lot of i got the full spectrum uh, of comments from from listeners when I announced it, either people freaking out and getting great questions and telling me actually there there's more of a GNR uh, six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon connection to him than I I really would have thought of, and and some others would just say who, <laughs> the the wonderful uh, social media comments of just leaving who. Well, uh, we, you'll, we're going to find out a lot more about Damon Johnson if you're one of the few that said who. And I want to bring on uh, a co-host uh, for, for a long time, this guy. Uh, and this episode is perfect because he's such a big Damon Johnson fan and, and knew more than, than I did. So I, I, that's what I always try to do is bring on a co-host to make me look better. Uh, but you may have heard me talk about I used to work for United Stations Radio Networks all these years ago in the same building as Alice Cooper's show, just dreaming of a life where I would at least have a full-time job in radio. Well, the guy who trained me over there when I was kind of just a backup, Bill Powell from United Stations, works on Hard Drive XL with Lou Brutus, depending upon where you are in the country, hopefully your radio station carries it. And Bill really just taught me how to be an editor and just be more professional than I was at the time. So... Uh, Bill, thank you so much. Uh, producer, right? Is that the official title for uh, for Hard Drive? Uh, I guess associate producer would be the uh, the official title. Um, you know, Paul and I, uh, Paul Spani and I, both are uh, you know producers in our in our different capacities um, for Hard Drive and Hard Drive XL. So, um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great gig. It's you know. Allowed me to meet you in the past, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I've lost track of time how long I've known you now. So, um, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's it has been a while. That seems like just so long ago for me, and and just the trip that I know that you've taken, and that I've taken professionally. And I'm glad you brought up the name uh, Paul. Paul was, and I know you know, uh, Bill. Paul was my first program director ever, and this was in college. So he was Paul the Radio Demon. That was his uh, college radio name. That's when I was Brando the Commando. The Commando stayed in college. <laughs> it is what it is. I, uh, <laughs> college radio days, you gotta love them. Oh, I, I, I know. So that and, and Bill I mean, excuse me, and Paul was the one that helped me get the job at Hard Drive. And last episode I mentioned, because again, what we do here is all the six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon, is how, you know, you're training me to work on hard hard drive XL, you know, loading the music. The, and, and voice tracks and, and, and editing and all of that. But what, what was great was, A, I got to listen to Guns N' Roses all the time because they were played regularly on, on the program. But a lot of the new music, like our last guest, Skillet, I was introduced through Hard Drive. But I remember yeah. specifically you said, you're going to like this band, Hailstorm. And the first thing you played for me was Out to Get Me, their cover of Out to Get Me. And you and it. Yeah. I still remember. I, I had it hooked. I learned from Hailstorm thanks to you. Well, at least I could I could do something good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, there's you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great music out there, and, and anybody that's not you know, and you, and you mentioned like people say who, um, 
you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of closed-minded to music that they don't know what it is. And, uh, you know, they're not open to hearing somebody new. And there's just so much great music out there. I've always been one to, you know, more support, you know, the underground artists, the independent artists, you know. Um, and uh, that was my thing in college radio. You mentioned college radio, and that's what that was my big thing in college radio. It was always the independent bands, the local bands, and um, pushing them because there's so much good music to be discovered. And, and, you know, I mean, how did Guns N' Roses start? I mean, you know, they they started in clubs. They started in, you know, basements and, you know, just like every other band. So, you know, you just have to open your mind and open your ears and you'll find some good music. And another connection that I it just came to mind, actually, uh, you I know, I know this band is no longer together, uh, the Dirty Pearls. And you told me about them. They're, they were a local NYC band. I know uh, Tommy London. Uh, he is he's, he's solo right now. Uh, he actually, I mean, congrats to him. He's got a, a show in Ozzy's Boneyard now. And uh, Marty, the drummer, uh, Midnight Crisis, maybe the name of his band. But they're both big GNR guys. And especially since Tommy um, here in the city, like every Wednesday, Frank Farrar, the, the, the drummer for GNR, his band Mule Kick. Plays almost yep. almost every Wednesday, so it's wow. That that was in another six degrees. I, I didn't even uh, didn't even think of. But I'm I'm curious. Like when I announced Damon Johnson before I even asked you to co-host, you were you were totally on board. You've just been a fan of his for for so long. You you've met the guy a bunch of times, right? Yep, I've met Damon several times through the years. Um, first time was uh, back in New York City. Uh, I don't remember the name of the club. It was really long ago, you know, back in the 90s when Brother King uh, was big. Um, a friend of mine's band had opened up for them, and uh, that was my, my first live time seeing uh, Damon and Brother King, but that was, you know, the first of many to come. Um, and just, you know, just a great band. I mean, they had several radio hits, and, and I followed Damon, you know, throughout his uh, career with different things. He, he's done, you know, solo stuff. He's done Chris Black Side Riders, done Lizzie, um, he's even had a, a, a record with a band called Whiskey Falls that I enjoyed. That was more of like a, uh, like I guess more on a country line, um, you know, than a rock line. Um, but he's had a number of projects through the years, and, and uh, just such a great guitarist and songwriter, and heck of a nice guy too. So that always helps. Yeah, and I, I want to learn more about him too. And there were a couple things that some listeners, because I, I got some listener questions. Uh, sent in, which I will get to, some actually audio. Uh, and that's something I want listeners always to, uh, to do as well, not just you know send me on Facebook or Twitter. You can record yourself on your phone and just message it to me and you know act like it's a live, in, uh, live call-in show. But uh, one, of, one of the listeners had mentioned to me, and these are things I, I don't know if you could find online, and we're going to talk to Damon about it, You know how he got the Alice Cooper gig that might have been through Eric Dover. I believe, Aren't you friends with Eric? Am I forgetting that? Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, again, you know, another artist that I've, you know, been a fan of, um, I was a Jellyfish fan, so, uh, Eric Dover, of course, joined Jellyfish later on and, and, uh, and followed, you know, followed him through there. Um, and, and, uh, so, you know, I've met him in the past, but I don't really, you know, know him that well. Okay. Oh, I, I, I don't want to forget mentioning this. This is, uh. I like whenever I have a, a guest um, co-host or um, even just the guest itself. I like asking about kind of like their their kids, what their their kids are into, you know, because um, we know where we stand musically, and we want obviously we want the the the, sake, the state of rock and roll to be in good hands. So I just love the fact that you're raising a rocker family. You know, you have a young son, <laughs> young daughter who are you're constantly posting pictures of them. Singing, playing drums. Uh, I don't know. I hope maybe this will be like a white stripe situation, you know, in a few years. I hope so for you. Well, I, you know, if my kids could only learn to get along with each other, uh, <laughs> they might actually have something in the making. Maybe an oasis situation might have been more <laughs> aptly suited. You know, funny, my my, uh, my son mentioned that exact thing the other night when uh, my daughter said, Well, I would love to join, you know, start a band with my brother. And he turned around and he said, Sabrina, we'd be just like Oasis. And she didn't understand the comment because she does, she's not overly familiar with Oasis. And I said, well, they were two brothers in a band, and now they hate each other. <laughs> they broke up. They don't have anything going on anymore. He's saying that you would be like Oasis from the beginning. And, um, 
you know, it's just, they're teenagers. I mean, what do you, you know, what are you going to expect from teenage kids? Not, you know, not everybody's uh, willing to put up with different personality conflicts. Not everybody is Hanson. Right. But uh, they do play together. Um, They do a lot of school rock. Um, So they do wind up playing on stage together, which is, which is pretty cool. And, you know, my daughter is a kick-ass drummer and um, my, uh, she also is starting bass now as well. My son plays bass and guitar and sings and, um, so, you know, getting to see them uh, after so many years of going to concerts since I'm probably like 11 or 12 years old um, and getting to see my own kids performance stage is, is just mind blowing. Um, but they're, they're huge music junkies, you know. So uh, actually, my son was really disappointed. Was it Louder Than Life, I believe, in uh, Kentucky later this year? Right. Um, Guns N' Roses is supposed to be playing. And uh, we were going to take a road trip for that. And, uh, we have other things going on, so we can't make it. So he was pretty, you know, bummed about that. But we were looking at the Exit 111 Festival in Tennessee, so I uh, might have to go do that instead. Oh, okay. See, I'm, I'm, um, let's put a pin in that. I'm wondering if this is Damon calling early. Let's see. Hello? Hello? Hi, who is this? Who is this? That's not Damon Johnson. <laughs> this is also, I may leave that into the uh, the final podcast, uh, this is also the request line for Keith Sweat. <laughs> Keith Sweat's uh, the, the Sweat Hotel. <laughs> the show isn't on for another few hours, and people just, they want to talk to Keith Sweat. So, uh, so yeah, any moment, Damon. But uh, going back to what you were saying, that's something that I've really enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy being your friend regardless. Uh, but just following you on social media and watching your kids grow up and going to all these different concerts and meeting different rock stars. And, and did they ever, did you guys, I know you have just through work, but have you seen Slash and the Conspirators? You've, you obviously, you've seen Guns N' Roses. Have have you gone with your with your kids to see these bands? Uh, yes. My kids have definitely seen uh, Slash, Hot Miles, and the Conspirators. Um, that was at the um, Rock Carnival, uh, Rock and Food Truck Carnival in New Jersey. Um, we definitely saw them there. Um, I've seen Slash and the Conspirators a number of times. Um, I'm trying to think. I know, you know, they've uh, they've definitely been craving to actually see Guns N' Roses, uh, but, you know, haven't had that experience as a family yet. Um, but uh, I think maybe it was just that one time that they actually saw um, saw them play live um, at that festival. But I lose track, you know. Like you said, I mean, there's so much stuff on my Instagram. I, they... they are extremely spoiled. They just don't realize it. They just think it's a natural way of life. So, well, especially. Uh, I mean, I don't know how old the, what your daughter was at the time, but this really funny picture of uh, her and Alice Cooper, because you know Alice Cooper, of course. I mean, no, he, I know he mainly does the show uh, out of his house in Arizona, but when he comes in, and he, I mean, just to have little kids being around and someone like Alice Cooper, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's, inc- that's, that's incredible. A, that's Uncle Alice. <laughs> Uncle Alice. Yeah, Sabrina, my daughter. Ever since, uh, ever since she met Alice Cooper, he's been Uncle Alice. I think he might have told her that you know you could call me Uncle Alice, and it's kind of stuck. Um, I don't remember how how young she was, but she was pretty young. And it was St. Patrick's Day because uh, she had a um, a shamrock cookie that she wound up uh, giving to Alice Cooper. And she sat on his lap for like probably twenty minutes and talked to Muppets and, and other things with Alice. And, you know, uh, it's been pretty great, and uh, we've all seen Alice, you know, uh, in concert, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it doesn't matter how old the guy gets, it's still an amazing performance all the time. And uh, I've actually, my son has actually um, seen Alice Cooper with Damon Johnson. Okay. Um, and uh, we saw that in New Jersey, and uh, my son met Damon after the show, and that was. Probably the second time or third time he's met Damon um, at different um, different places. Um, the first time he met Damon, he was a baby, and I have a picture somewhere of Damon actually holding my son as a baby. Um, and uh, this other one was, he was uh, yeah, uh, and this, he met Damon right after he met Alice, and Alice gave him his uh, last bag of Skittles that he had. He had a big, giant bag of Skittles, and he gave it to my son. <laughs> and... Uh, and then he's holding it up in a picture with Damon Johnson, I remember. So it's very fun. <laughs> you, I mean, I know you got the stuff on, on Instagram, but you, and I know you have a photography Instagram as well, but I feel like if you have your own 
family photo and just watch your kids grow up with rock stars, that could be a book. I don't know. I feel like people would be interested in, in, you know, it's cute to see, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get a lot of comments um, about, you know, my kids and always meeting people and, and, uh, you know, usually no one ever has anything negative to say about it. You know, sometimes I feel like, oh, my God, I'm here I am putting another picture of my kids with, you know, another rock star or something. But it's like, <laughs> hey, that's their life and that's, you know, that's what they do. And and uh, I use Instagram a lot more these days than I do Facebook or anything. Um, Facebook, my, mostly I, you know, put stuff so that my family, um, you know, can stay in touch with what we're doing since we're so far away now. Sure. But, um you know, uh, yeah, a lot of Instagram, a lot of a lot of rock stars. I mean, I took my son out to Rockahoma this past this uh, this past year, and and he, um, you know, he's doing a bunch of photography himself. So he shot like fourteen bands while we were there, and and uh, you know, yeah, it's just kind of my little rock star family. And you know, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll have their own bands so that they can support me. <laughs> right on. And I think this time it is Damon. Hello. Hey, is this Brandon? This is. This is uh, Damon Johnson. Brandon, this is Damon Johnson. How are you, man? I am living the dream and just excited for you to take the time to speak with me today. Well, hey, I swear to God, I was going to say the same thing. I'm living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we have we have that in common. I appreciate you saying that, though. It's great to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Damon. I appreciate the, the time, and we're going to talk about your solo record, and just we're going to see where that... Uh, that thought process takes us, but uh, at first I want to introduce you to my my co-host who's uh, on the phone today. Uh, his name is Bill Powell. He works at United Stations Radio Networks for, I don't know if you know who uh, Lou Brutus is on, on his show? Of course. Okay. Yeah, man. I remember Lou Brutus. All right. So Bill is uh, my co-host uh, today. He's a friend, radio friend, and also a huge fan of yours, so he would be great. For Hello, Bill. How are you, man? Hey, Damon. I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm really well. I'm. I mean it. You guys flatter me to uh, to have me on, and and uh, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. You're catching me on an epic day. I'm actually in Detroit, Michigan, uh, visiting my wife's family. We've been here for much of this week, uh, you know, for the Fourth of July. So I have found an epic place in their backyard. Uh, underneath this amazing umbrella <laughs> so i'm just i got my feet up got my phone and uh and life is good man so it's great to talk to you that's that's beautiful i guess the first thing to ask and, and i don't know maybe i kind of got a sense as to why you named your album this just from the way you're coming off right now but memoirs of an uprising where does that name come from is it your your rise you live in life and enjoying the dream where does that, that title come from i think in a very real way that's an accurate assessment. When I originally named the album that, I felt that it was a good kind of summary of all 10 songs on the album. Uh, I think I touched on it in the press release. I don't know if you've seen that, but you know, I never set out to like do anything other than, I, I just tried to write 10 great songs. Sure. And, um, you know, once I put a sequence together and listened to them, as a whole, it did feel like kind of a cool story. You know, the the protagonist starts in some real struggle and some anxiety and some panic and maybe some anger, and he's trying to sort something out. And, you know, so the first half into the second half of the record, that that energy is there. But then right around track eight, he starts to kind of figure out that to change his reality he ultimately is going to have to change himself and you know without getting too uh, you know uh you know life coach sounding i think no, it's all good. i think that i think that's kind of the challenge for all of us man no matter what we do for a living no matter what where we find ourselves in our relationships or in our work or whatever you know, man, if you want things to change, nine times out of ten, you got to start with yourself. And then things around you have a way of improving and kind of coming coming back to a healthy place. And so um, I can't even tell you exactly how that title popped in. I, I just remember listening to the record in its entirety. And I'd gone to run an errand for my wife, and I was turning back into our little subdivision. And, 
just popped in my head. Memoirs of an Uprising. And um, and now, what, six months later, it does in a way kind of reflect where I'm at in my career. Forging ahead full-time as a solo artist now and uh, not just playing this new material that I'm so proud of, but revisiting some of the songs from my past. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to realize that many of those songs, they really hold up. You know, they're just... Some of them were well-written, and at the time, there was so much going on around me, I don't even know if I could fully appreciate that. So um, I just feel like I'm in a great place right now. You know, it, and I actually do have the, the press release right in front of me, and that was, not, aside from the fact it was the first sentence in it, but it's what struck me is that you never really considered to, be, uh, to have a full-time career as a solo artist. Now, you know, Bill was somebody that trained me... Uh, I mean, I was his understudy years ago. So at that time, I always thought, I always wanted to do on air. And I've been on FM radio, classic rock stations, but I never thought about doing what I'm doing now, which is kind of having my own show. So to compare that, I'm trying to think about how you would, um, how, how, like your path. So you really just always wanted to be a, a part of something and never wanted to kind of set out and, and do your own thing until, until now? Yeah, really and truly. That's that's the honest to God's truth. And I know that my career path absolutely reinforces that. You know, I mean, I'm, man, I've been a professional musician now for almost 30 years. Even before I was uh, a full-time musician, you know, just even in garage bands and my high school bands, I just wanted to be in a great band. Never wanted to be the guy in the middle, getting all the attention. It just never was part of the equation. Even when we put Brother Kane together, uh, in the early 90s, I resisted being the singer. And, you know, ultimately, man, it was a great thing. And it was and it was good for me. It was good for my art and my music and my writing and everything. But at the time, I was so committed to just wanting to be that classic uh, arrangement. You know, I wanted to be Joe Perry or Jimmy Page or Edward Van Halen or... or you know, Mike Campbell for that matter, and find my Robert Plant, Steven Tyler, Tom Petty, and just write songs and write riffs and play guitar. Cause that's, that was really my first love. So I just think my story is kind of interesting that I resisted that really greatly for a long, long time. And uh, it kind of took me being in Black Star Riders. Uh, over the last six years, which I love that band and I love those guys. And it kind of gave me everything I thought I ever wanted, you know, even some extra, you know, legacy bonus having Scott Gorham in the band. I mean, what a dream come true for me to not just play in Thin Lizzy with Scott, uh, but then put a new band together and write songs with him and record together. And, um, I thought that's what I wanted guys. And, um, I just think it's tougher as we get older, uh, not not just not not necessarily musically. A lot of it has to do with just the aesthetics of being in a band, the business of being in a band. So many decisions need to be made by committee and conference calls, and this chain of emails and stuff like that. And man, I just I just really hit the wall with that uh, last year. I think. Uh, uh, like I've said before, we were on tour with Judas Priest, which was amazing because I love those guys and they're they're like family to me and and all the band. And I literally woke up on the bus one morning and I was like, I'm ready to do something else. And uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. I knew it had to be my own thing. I knew it was time for me to just give it a shot. Like, hey, man, you'll never know. If you don't try it, you'll never know. And it was not an easy decision because Black Star Writers is a badass band. And, you know, we, we definitely have moved the needle in Europe, particularly in the United Kingdom and Germany and parts of Scandinavia. But, you know, I'm crazy about my wife. I'm crazy about my kids. And, and we were just spending so much time away and it just reached a point it wasn't sustainable. So that brings me full circle back to, I guess, Brandon, your original question about the title of the album yeah, I feel like this is my moment. It's an uprising. It's a rebirth. It's a, not even a rebirth. It's just like a new, it's a new Damon Johnson. And, you know, every day I am 
fulfilled with some reinforcement that I've made the right decision. Um, you know, be it from a good review or a good show, or I get a random call from somebody about contributing music to something else. You know, if I was still in a, another band full time, I just think it's harder to do that kind of stuff. So I'm very happy, really excited to be moving forward like this. And uh, I'm already working on the follow up, you know, right. putting songs together for the next one. Is your transition from someone who did not want to be in the spotlight and kind of just wanted to hang out and, and be in the back like a Joe Perry or for our sake and Izzy Stradlin in our in our, uh, our six degrees of Guns N' Roses baking connections, which we will get to <laughs> with you? <laughs> uh, is it is it been difficult to be the guy to see your name on the marquee as opposed to the band that you're a part of? Is Has the branding of Damon Johnson been... Uh, how has that been for you? Has that been easier than you always thought it would be? Have you enjoyed that? Brandon, what a great question. What a great question because uh, on a personal level, I'm I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it much more than I thought I would, and I've embraced it, and I feel super comfortable in my own skin and kind of having to be the guy. I'm, I'm ready, and I'm uh, and it's great. But your point is really fascinating because – one of my daily challenges is how do I brand? How do I educate a potential ticket buyer as to who Damon Johnson is? I've got this crazy resume, and there's some people that remember me from Brother Kane. Some people remember me from Alice Cooper. A lot of diehard Thin Lizzy fans out there, so you want to tap them. And, you know, one day, I just, one day I wanted to be as easy as, hey, we're booking Damon Johnson. We're going to see Damon Johnson. Right. There's a new Damon Johnson album. But right now, you have to add additional information. You know, <laughs> Brother Kane's Damon Johnson. Damon Johnson of Black Star Writers, Alice Cooper. You know, and what I found, guys, is that every single show, I have to treat it differently. Mm. Everyone. Um, I'm currently operating without a manager. And that certainly has its challenges, but it does allow me to make decisions quickly and kind of move at a faster pace. Um, and when the time is right and when I cross paths with the right person, you know, then we'll have that discussion. But um, I've gotten a lot better over the spring and summer in uh, saying, okay, I just booked a solo show in London, England. They don't know who Brother Kane is over there. But they damn sure know Thin Lizzy and Black Star Riders and Alice Cooper. So, you know, the venue will incorporate that into the into the advertisement or the event on social media or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's a little challenging, but um, so far so good. You know, we're, we're we're getting around that. I gotcha. So, so how are these uh, times differing? for you from um, the other times where you ventured out. So I've been fortunate enough to see you solo several times acoustically um, and, you know, playing different venues. And and uh, you had the solo record that came out. I think you also did the did an acoustic record of, like, old songs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I did, Bill. I did, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I did an acoustic record way back in 2000, which was a total just a fluke kind of an afterthought, but then I did a proper acoustic album in 2010. Um, that's awesome that you see me play, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. Forgive me. What was your, what was your question? Um, well, I was going to ask you how, how, you know, these times differ from, um, the previous solo ventures, you know, I mean, obviously you have, you've had the Thin Lizzy stuff and the Blackstar Riders and Alice Cooper, I believe, you know, since those acoustic records came out. Um, so it's a lot different for you, I guess, now having a lot more under under your skin, I guess, you know, essentially, you know. Um, it definitely is, it definitely is Bill, it, for sure. And all of those previous releases that you just mentioned, they were effectively just side projects because I was committed to Alice. So I was, com you know, my calendar was committed to Thin Lizzy or BSR. So now with Memoirs of an Uprising, it is very, very different because it's my full-time focus. Um, you know, I've never had any music of mine, you know, get streamed as much on 
the big digital sites like Spotify and Apple Music as this new album. And that's exciting for me because, again, you know, I've put a little bit of a team behind it and it's gotten some, some visibility, at least to my little fan base. And, uh, you know, I just feel like it's a, a great jumping off point to really move ahead. And, um, you know, I'm learning a lot. I mean, it definitely takes a team. You can't do something like this by yourself. And I've been really lucky to cross paths with some quality people along the way. Uh, Jody Glissman Best that's helped me with radio. The girl, the Mad Inc. publicist girls, Michelle and Melissa, they're amazing. I mean, they're first class. And, uh, you know, I hired them. I've had to pay them, but I, I've never spent money better than you know <laughs> working with them so those previous releases that you mentioned they did not get that kind of attention i mean i would literally go online to TuneCore or cd baby and upload all my wave files and just just put it out like that and then i would press up a thousand cds and sell them at whatever random gigs i've had so this one's really different man you know i've just had to place follow-up orders on you know, more CDs and more vinyl and, you know, it feels great, man. Never a bad Yeah, man. You know, running my own little business, Double Dragon Records. Uh, you know, that's my imprint. And I've even had a couple of little independent labels reach out to me. And, you know, it's very flattering. And, and you know, I'll, I'll continue those discussions. But I can tell you right now, I, I just don't know that that's the path I want to take. I kind of like just putting it out on my own hiring a team to help me do it. And then when the year of promoting that record is over, Damon owns the record. I own those masters. I I own that content. And, you know, some little independent label that's just trying to accumulate, uh, you know, they're just trying to accumulate masters and songs. And it's like a real estate agency, man. They just want a bunch of houses. And that's okay. I I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to do business like that. But, you know, because it is a new age in music, not just rock music, but music in general, I just want to be as smart as I can, man, make as good decisions as I can about what to do with my music. I'm very focused on the lessons that we can all learn from guys like Prince and Tom Petty and how they always fought for for their music and their masters and, um, now more than ever, guys, because the fucking internet is the wild west. You know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> tying into that because um, you mentioned, you know, about what it's like putting out the music on your own and stuff. I know that um, it's been out there on the internet and stuff, and you just recently held a, a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had uh, some problems with Pledge Music, and um, you know, which was a, a service where people um, help the artists fund their record and. Um, Basically, can you fill us in on what happened with Pledge Music? I certainly can. As you both probably know, Pledge Music is one of several crowdfunding platforms available out there. And I had a positive experience with them uh, three years ago with Black Star Riders. We incorporated a Pledge campaign on our album, and everything went pretty smooth. And the fans really dug it because it gave them a chance to you know, to be able to support the band, support the upcoming release, but they also were able to to kind of shop and purchase some really unique items and things that, you know, short of the band putting it up on eBay or something like that, you know, they they would have never had the possibility of getting that stuff. So I was excited to work with them again. I put a great campaign together for for a first-time solo artist, you know, to raise $30,000. Man, that was fucking good you know yeah pretty good it's pretty good bread especially when you consider that you know i've got enough additional skills to produce the record myself do a lot of the recording economically it just meant that i would have more operating capital to put into promoting the album so um the way it works with pledge is when the campaign is finished they start doling out your money in three separate installments. And, you know, they make a commission off of that, which is fine. I get it. That's, that's great. You know, they provided me the platform and they helped me run it. That's fine. So myself and literally dozens and dozens of other artists, you know, I got my first payment 
back in November, and I pulled the trigger on everything, pressing the CDs, hiring the publicist, hiring a radio person, expensive artwork and photography, all of that. And, guys, the second payment never showed up. And I started, you know, doing investigating, and the next thing you know, it's kind of a national story that Pledge Music is having trouble. And I spoke to some other artists that were having the same challenge I was. And um, I stood on the side of optimism. I was like, well, surely they're not just going to take our money. They're going to they're gonna sort this out. And then, you know, I'll get this money down the road. So I just went to the bank, took out a loan so I could continue my path, you know. And then back in, I guess... Um, I guess it was May, early May, um, another statement was released worldwide that they had filed for bankruptcy and their whole business had gone into administration. So common man terminology for that is they took my 20 grand and I'm never going to see a dime of that. And Mm. it sucked for me because look, in the grand scheme of life, it's not a be all end all amount of money, but for a guy starting a solo career and funding everything on his own, it's a substantial amount of sure of revenue. Yeah, absolutely. So I give my wife a lot of credit. We we went to we went to lunch, I think the day after and we were just kind of talking about well what do we do? You know? So oh I know what it was. Someone had said, Hey man, you should just you should just post a GoFundMe page and no disrespect to anyone else that has used GoFundMe. It just didn't feel right for me, guys. I felt like that would be a bad look. It's like, look, I've already asked people for money. They've already paid. No, that makes sense. I get that. You know, and, and, and you know, maybe down the road. I mean, who knows, man? Something could happen to me while I'm traveling. and My family would need a GoFundMe page, you know, because I can't be out there working anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully that never happens, but. The point is, that was not an option. So my wife said, why don't you have a show? Why don't you just play one show? Let's do it in Nashville. Maybe call some of our friends in town. And let's do it. And I was like, wow, that's a great idea. So long story short, as soon as I put it out that that's what I was going to do, I had a couple of great friends, uh, Mike Ferris and Audley Freed, who were really successful artists in their own right and old friends of mine, they said, Hey man, whatever you need, count us in, you know, put us in the advertising, whatever. And then Brad Whitford from Aerosmith called me who he's also my neighbor in Nashville. He said, Hey man, can I come play your thing? And I was like, what? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, right there, I started thinking, well, man, this, this will be a good night of music with that. Of course, I, you know, my band was going to play. I have a great band guys. Uh, you know, full electric, great musicians, uh, friends of mine right there in town. So I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe this will be it. And then next day, my old friend Kevin Martin from Candlebox called. And the conversation went like this. He goes, Damon, do you need do you need me to come? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you need me to come to town for your show. I said, what do you mean? You and your wife? Yeah, man, come to town. He goes, no. Me and Candlebox. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about, man? He goes, I'll fly the band in on our dime. We can, like, I saw what happened to you, man, and it, I, can't, mm. I can't abide this. This will not stand. He goes, we have the night off that night. I'm bringing the band to town. We're going to play a 45-minute set of Candlebox music. That's really nice. I mean, guys, I was almost in tears, you know? like, Yeah, that's awesome. Who does that? Not many. So... You turbocharge the night with Candlebox, and you know, man, the great news, and and, I, and I've been really comfortable talking about it. I mean, I recouped about half of that. Okay. We, we raised about ten thousand dollars in one show. So, um, you know, that's why I'm working so hard this summer between electric shows, acoustic shows, and I, I think that's the way forward, man. Let's just book some extra shows and recover that, and and let's just get on with it. You know, like I said, I'm already writing the next record, and. My fans are amazing. And you know what? They'll be there for the next album. Maybe I'll do a, another crowdfunding. But this time, guys, I'm going to do it on my own fucking website. Mm. You know what I mean? Because that's all Pledge Music is. It's a website. Yep. And, and my fans are very uh, confident 
and secure in, you know, putting in their credit card information on DamonJohnson.com to buy all the things that they've been buying for the last 10 years, T-shirts, CDs, guitar picks, whatever. And And if you're able to do it, why have a middleman that's only going to potentially screw you over? Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone getting a commission, but that, that's where Pledge went south, guys. They were taking other people's money and spending it. They should have just put all that money in escrow, take the commission that they're, that they're owed, and then put it in an account and then funnel that to the bands once all the fulfillments were, were made. But um, if, if there's any restitution, you know, if there's any settlement with them, I, I, I certainly will be a part of that and be involved in that. But all right. I mean, life is short. I don't have, I certainly don't have the revenue to go out and hire a team of lawyers to what? Go sue Pledge Music. Mm-hmm. They don't have any assets, man. They're on website. Right. <laughs> it's not like we can go take their office furniture and their, <laughs> their dog, you know, their property. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you do have, and you, you said it before, are your fans who really are die hard. And, and yes, I'm under the umbrella of GNR, but there's, a subset of Damon Johnson fans. So uh, I want to say uh, Chef Rob from uh, New Orleans, he wanted to go to uh, that benefit concert, but he said he bought a couple tickets and donated uh, just to support. So he wanted to let you know that. Give that guy my gratitude. And, and, and I mean it, man. Thank you. There were so many people that did that very thing. He, he's a, a great listener. So uh, he'll listen to the episode and, uh, you, you'll be able to tell him yourself when he hears this. When he hears it, uh, also I got a couple of audio questions as well. Uh, this is from okay. Jeff from uh, Connecticut. So just hang on while I play this clip. Hey Damon, okay. my first question has to do with the Slave to the System album, which is one of my all-time favorites. I know at the time that it came out, there was talk of a second album being recorded. I was wondering if that is indeed true that there was a second album recorded, and if there's any chance it would be released one day. Such a can good record. Can, yeah, can I answer that? Yeah, please. Jeff, thank you so much, man. Um, I have good news for you on all fronts. Uh, we didn't do a complete second album, but we definitely wrote six or eight really quality songs. And uh, as we speak, Kelly Gray and I are trying to find a week on the calendar to just kind of hole up either at my place in Nashville or his in Seattle and chisel out some more songs. Um, we've got a couple of scenarios where we could release the second album and, um, you know, maybe even do some tour dates behind that. That's always a challenge with any kind of super group or veteran musicians in a group. You know, it's just so challenging to get everyone's schedules to line up. But, you know, Kelly and I were always kind of the creative spearheads of that whole thing. And, uh, so now that I'm doing my solo thing full time, now I do have the time to focus on a great project like Slave to the System. Um, I love those songs as much as anyone. And uh, I would love to uh, not only get this second album out, but Kelly and I also want to do a remaster of the original recording. Um, man, we recorded that thing so fast. Uh, in Kelly's garage in, I think it was like the year 2000 or 2001. And the songs are great. Some of the sounds, we feel like we could, you know, step it up a little bit. So uh, uh, you're going to definitely see some Slave to the System activity, hopefully in the next, you know, 12 to 15 months at the latest. Sweet. And and Jeff, uh, also, he, he these are not auto, uh, audio. Uh, he mentioned, and I, I, this blew me away, uh, West Arkeen, he co-wrote the first Brother Kane's album. Is that correct? West co-wrote two songs two on songs. the first Brother Kane album. That is absolutely correct. Can you tell and us about uh, that? How how that friendship came about? Yeah, man. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I resisted being the lead singer, and once I agreed to do it, I knew that we needed some more material. I wanted. I wanted to write some new songs that I felt more comfortable singing rather than some of the old lyrics from the previous singer that we'd had. So through our development deal, they would send me a list of potential co-writers. And one day I was looking at this list and I didn't recognize anyone's name. 
But then I saw West Arkeen, and I called the company. I said, hey, is this West Arkeen that, you know, has got a co-write on Appetite and on the Use Your Illusion records? And they were like, yeah, that's West. And he, he wants to do some, some co-writes with some other bands. And I was like, I'm in. Whatever it takes, let's make that happen. So uh, West flew to town, and we spent we spent a really good three or four days together. And I'm always so proud of the fact that West and I clicked as well as we did because he he was a character and a really unique personality. And West certainly did not suffer fools. And I just remember the first day we got together, he was in a bad mood because he'd already spent a couple of days writing with some other bands. And in his words, they were just cheesy and terrible. And thank goodness I showed up with a good riff that mm. first day. Mm. <laughs> and I think I kind of endeared myself to him a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, there's one song we wrote together called Pressure. And then the last track on the album, is essentially a song that Wes played for me. He's like, hey, man, I got a couple things, you know, if you want to check them out. And as soon as he played this song called Make Your Play, it just spoke to me on every level. He had a really unique uh, way of tuning the guitar sometimes, and I was really fascinated with that and uh, a great lyric. And it just became a really important song on our album. And, and Brother Kane played that song almost every show you know, over the, the seven or eight years that we were together. So, uh, yeah, man, Wes was very special. And uh, I think about him a lot. I certainly miss him. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an important part of my journey and my story because, you know, to get a, an endorsement from someone like that, I think it kind of kept me on an authentic path or at least striving to be authentic in my songwriting. So he, he had a lot to do with that. For sure. Um, another connection, uh, Eric Dover uh, from the, the first Snake Pit record, he got you the job with, with Alice Cooper? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I love Eric. Eric, is, Eric and I kind of came up in the Birmingham, Alabama music scene together. Man, I'll never forget hearing Eric sing and play the first time. I was just blown away. I'm like, man, how does a guy play guitar like that and sing that well at the same time? Like, that's just not even fair. And, uh, you know, we did a few jams together and just got to be good friends, you know? And then, uh, right about the time brother King started happening, you know, was when he got the opportunity to, to sing with slash. And next thing you know, slash was, was a fan of the first brother King record. And I, I would imagine the West connection didn't hurt. And, um, uh, so yeah, we wound up doing some dates together. Uh, you know, brother Kane opened for snake pit when Eric was in the band and then, uh, shit, man, fast forward on uh, 10 years. And, um, uh, I got a random phone call from Eric one night and he just said, Hey man, I'm, I've been playing with Alice and I'm getting ready to move on and do my own thing. And I've told them that you're the guy. And I swear, I thought he was drunk, man. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't believe it. I didn't think twice about it. I swear to God, I didn't think twice about it. And uh, about four days later, I got a phone call from Alice's tour manager, and um, you know there was an audition, and yeah, everything kind of went from there. But I'm absolutely, uh, it wouldn't have happened without Eric Dover. Alice Cooper would have no idea who Damon Johnson is if it weren't for Eric. Hmm. Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw in an interview that uh, Eric did. He said that you were a much better guitar player than he was. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, whatever people's barometer is, you know, whatever their measuring stick is. I just love Eric's sense of melody. I, I really learned a lot from him. Uh, he had a great band together in Birmingham. They were called Love Bang. And that's actually where we got our drummer and brother Kane, Scott Collier. Scott was in that band with Eric. And um, I'd been working with another drummer for a while, and that didn't work out. And once I became the singer, it's like the whole sound of the band it was changing. And so uh, I saw Love Bang play one night, and I was like, man, that drummer is amazing. And he's not, he's not an 80s butt rock, you know, 
you know, twirling his sticks. And, <laughs> you know, man, look, I love, I love Tommy Lee and Terry Bozio as much as anybody, but God, man, that's all everybody wanted to drum like in the, in the early nineties. And I wasn't into that, man. I was into appetite and the black crows and all my deep purple records and Van Halen and mm-hmm. bad company and whatever. So, uh, Scott was just amazing. So he and he and Eric in the same band together was, was special. Cool. So I, I, I have a lot of credit to Eric. And another, uh, I guess, GNR link to you. Uh, you replaced Richard Fortas in Thin Lizzy. Yeah, I guess I did. You know. Um, Do you know him at all? I, I'm sure. Oh it wasn't. yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, I did not know Richard before. Okay. Now we've become great, great friends. I just saw Richard in St. Louis when I. I did a show there with my band about a month ago. Oh, okay. And uh, I think the world of Richard, and I'm, I'm grateful that fate has, you know, has allowed our paths to cross like they have. But, yeah, man, that's a great story. Uh, we played in Dublin, Ireland, ironically, and the bill was Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, and Ben Lizzie. And I had already met Scott Gorham about four years prior, when he and I, Alice and I got to play around round of golf with Scott. And that was a huge day for me, guys, to meet one of my greatest heroes, Scott Gorham. I'm like, wow. So, um, and we had stayed in touch a little bit via email, but I was just happy to go see Thin Lizzy. And I knew they had a new singer. I wanted to check him out, and et cetera, et cetera. And so the night was great. I stood right out in the crowd and listened to all of their set. And then after that show is when Richard, had told our other guitar player, Tommy Hendrickson, he was about to have to go back to Guns N' Roses and that he was not going to be able to fulfill the remaining Ben Lizzy dates. And Tommy famously said in his very East Coast accent, Oh, Fortis, you should get, you guys should call Johnson. Johnson knows, Johnson knows those Stan Lizzy songs better than all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like hearing my accent said back to me in a way. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, so, yeah. And then um, a few days later, similar to the Alice Cooper story, I got a phone call from their manager. And, uh, I kind of hesitated because I'm like, man, I'm committed to Alice, and he's got two dates. And, again, credit to my wife. She was the one that said, Damon, if you don't take this Ben Lizzie opportunity, you're going to regret it. She goes, the first band you ever played for me when we started dating was Ben Lizzie. And, you know, and she was right. <laughs> as so they usually are. Out. The wife is yeah, always right. Right. Absolutely, man. <laughs> but um, Richard was amazing. You know, we had several conversations, and he, he really helped me with some of the songs. And, you know, because I wanted to make the transition seamless for the other guys in Thin Lizzy, as Richard did. You know, he didn't want to leave those guys hanging. So uh, Richard's awesome, man. God, what a – like, he's on a whole other level as a player. I mean, a guy can play anything. And he's just just got a heart of gold, and, you know, we, we love his family. And um, Richard's really special. I mean, we can say the same thing about you, and, and a lot of my, our listeners did. Bill and I were kind of joking – before you came on, like with how social media is, you occasionally get the who comment. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's why they hear you explain before, uh, you know, branding Damon Johnson. So y- you get it. That's something I know that wouldn't uh, offend you. But, you know, after just talking to you, and it's, I think what's what people need to know, because I make a lot of sports analogies, the back of your baseball card is can be put up against anybody else's. And I just think yeah. it's great that, you know, about time you're getting the, the name recognition and getting it out there, and you seem to be really happy. Even though you faced adversity, you're fighting back. You're not giving up. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, the uprising continues. <laughs> Brandon, I appreciate that, and I'm going to quote you on that, man, because that's exactly what it feels like. The right uprising con- continues. And, uh, you know, you guys are so awesome to, to have me on and, you know, let me share some of my story with you and you know I'm certainly grateful to your listeners um you know I know over the course of all the bands that do fill up those fill up those statistics on the back of my baseball card you know there are a lot of fans out there that I've crossed paths with in in one form or another it's a lot of fun now to try and channel all of those people into one thing hey 
here's your boy, Damon Johnson. He's doing his thing now. And, you know, I absolutely believe that one day that's all we'll have to put on the advertising, Damon Johnson. Uh, you know, I, you know, at one point, Eric Clapton didn't have to say, formerly of Cream, Eric Clapton. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> you know, Peter Frampton, formerly of Humble Pie. He reached a point he didn't have to do that. Now, I don't I don't figure I'm going to have a, a live album that's going to sell 10 million copies, but I'm going to give it my best shot. You might get 10 million streams. That's true. That's right, man. Hey, you know, I'm all about the streaming, guys. I certainly love it. You know, any time, day or night, I can pull up any song that crosses my mind. Uh, I stream so much when I'm writing and recording. Not to not for any other reason than to just get some inspiration. It might just be a drum groove, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to pull up that live Bill Withers record from Carnegie Hall. And I don't even know who his drummer is, but that was a great band. And, and, you know, next thing you know, man, I've started a new song and, uh, the streaming has, has been a real important component of that. So I love it. And I encourage anybody to stream my stuff. Right on. Uh, Bill, do you have any other questions before we let, uh, Damon enjoy his, his afternoon in Detroit? <laughs> oh, I, I am good, but I look forward to catching you out on the road. Hopefully you'll uh, come through Dallas at some point, and I'll, I'll get to see the new band live. Well, guys, thank you for that. Uh, Dallas is a real priority, uh, if for no other reason. And, you know, Brother Kane got so much radio airplay in that town. And, um, you know, Dallas is a city I would love to come to minimum once a year, if not twice a year. So, uh I'm working on that as we speak, so uh, I hope our paths cross really soon. And sentiments here, same thing here with uh, in in New York, New York City, or even Long Island, where I'm where I'm from. Right on, Brandon. Well, hey man, uh, I've got a date up there in September in uh, Amityville, Amityville, okay. New York. Yeah. Are you, is that Revolution? Are you playing Revolution? I don't know if that's the name of the place or not. Um, um. It's only re- I think it's only just gotten announced or, or put up, but uh, you know, man, I, I've failed to mention to send people to my website, DamonJohnson dot com. Uh, all the dates are there. I think that date is up. If it, I'm gonna as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna make sure it is because it's not. It needs definitely to. online. It's it, I don't know if it's on on the website, but it's definitely online. I, I definitely saw an announcement for it. Oh, okay, great, 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 great. So, hey, man, if that's not too much of a hike for you. Come and see me. No, that's a. If it is Revolution, that's a nice uh, venue. I saw. Speaking of um, Brad Whitford, I saw Whitford and Holmes uh, there. Oh, killer man! Yeah, yeah. yeah so Andrew oh, W. Yeah, oh, that's what exactly. I'm looking it up now. Saturday, September 28th, uh, Revolution Bar and Music Hall. So brilliant. I, I, and Saturday's my day off, so I think I'll see you. <laughs> Brandon, there are no excuses, my friend. You have to be there. <laughs> I will. I will. Fellas, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Damon. You're always welcome back, and and just continue success with everything. All right, my friend. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. I'll see you both really soon. So, what did you you think, man? Um, just overly, you kind of said to me off the air how nice he he was, and everyone who all the listeners who messaged me uh, said what a great guy he was, and. He went. He really was like above and beyond. I say that a lot. I feel on this podcast, and I I feel like I could tell if they're kind of sucking up for radio, but he seems like a genuinely good dude. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Anytime I've had an interaction with Damon, he he's been absolutely you know great. He's totally gracious. He you know he always willing to take a picture with fans, whatever. You know, just super cool guy. Um, and I mean, so much great music. I mean, I, I actually even forgotten that to mention Slave to the System, but I mean, there's so many other things. Like I mentioned Whiskey Falls before, and, and you know, another project, I believe it was called Red. Um, there's just so much music that he's touched and he's been a part of, and, and people just really need to, to get familiar with it and check it out. I mean, like you said, he's been around for you know, almost 30 years now doing this, and, and just so much great music, you know? So, I, you know, it's great to talk to him, and, and uh, you know, I really look forward to getting to see the new band live. I've, I've seen him, like I said, a number of times uh, in different incarnations, including Brother Kane from the beginning. So um, so it's pretty cool to, you know, been following his career all this time. And I'm glad to have conducted this interview with you and, and 
we were on the same wavelength. I was ready to start asking about pledge music, but you you were on it. And I was like, I actually did a, a fist pump privately. I'm like, yeah, Bill. I'm like, that's exactly where I wanted to transition. So, uh, great. I, you know, that, uh, that pledge music thing, it, um, you know, it's, it was always a great way, you know, all these different crowdfunding sources are always great. You know, I know a lot of independent artists that have, that have gone that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that those things happened. Um, but you know, I mean, that was national news and, and he was putting it out there. Um, and when he made the mention of the benefit, he, he mentioned um, a guy named Mike Farris who played um, his benefit. And uh, Mike Farris and is a phenomenal musician in his own right. Um, actually, he's probably my all-time favorite singer, to be honest. Mm. Um, he used to sing for a band called Scream and Cheetah Wheelies. Um, and uh, he does his own solo thing now as well. He's won a Grammy. Um, just a phenomenal voice. And I've seen Damon... Uh, perform acoustically with Mike. They've actually played shows like together, you know, and not just like them playing their own sets. They've actually played sets together, you know. Um, so, you know, I've seen uh, seen a lot of Damon Johnson over the years, and I look forward to seeing more. And we got a chance. Both of us got a chance to to speak with him. And no, that that uh, I don't know if you've ever been. I know you, you know, when you lived in in Jersey and worked in the city. I don't know how often you would come out to. To Long Island, but Amityville uh, Revolution is a nice little club. I saw maybe the craziest. I, I I'm an Andrew WK fan, but that show was bananas. I, it's just one of the best shows I, I've really have ever seen. Uh, was Andrew WK at Revolution? So I'm definitely going to see Damon, and I hope uh, everyone out there goes gets a chance to to check him out. I mean, this is somebody who wrote with uh, with West Arkeen. I mean, that's I feel like that's like a blessing that's like being knighted and i think it's funny when he mentioned west you know was really serious about who he wanted to work with and didn't want to you know have a deal with shitty riffs or anything like that so um just one one part of his legendary career that's uh continuing so damon johnson memoirs of an uprising is out now and and bill uh before we get out of here so people can follow you and your rock star family um what what instagram can we give out of yours uh you can uh check out my music wolf uh instagram it's it's uh m-u-z-i-k-w-o-l-f just because i had to be a little different um so it's music wolf on instagram um i've also recently started a photography page um haven't posted a bunch of stuff up there yet but um, I think I think it's B Powell photography. Um, so that's just my new hobby. You know, I, I love going out and uh, being able to shoot shows now. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll get good at it one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you had to go out with with Lou Brutus because uh, he, in addition to just being a radio guy, he's a professional photographer for uh, Major League Baseball, right? Such phenomenal pictures too. I was introduced to Lou through obviously during the. Uh, during, uh, through you, and unfortunately, it's not aired here in New York, so I wouldn't have known about it. And I guess learned a lot, not just from you, but from him. So, where Damon has all these little experiences to lead him up to where he is now and the solo record and being in a good place, I have had all these little radio experiences that that may have been stressful at the time, or you weren't sure how it was going to help you. Um, but absolutely, I still think of of Lou and and how he approaches being a. Uh, a radio DJ and how he approaches social media, so he's definitely been an influence uh, on me. But and but as I said, you you but uh, were the first one to really teach me how to how to edit. So as Damon Johnson is doing everything DIY, that's how I do this podcast. I put everything together myself. Oh, I'm glad that I could uh, be of service to you and and uh, teaching you some things along the way. And I really appreciate <laughs> you having me on to uh, do this podcast with you. It's great to talk to Damon. It's always great to talk to you. I mean, we stay in touch all the time. So. Yeah, and of course, I think of you anytime I see anything Guns and Roses. Yes, you do. I always, you're always messaging me with, uh, "Do you know about this?" Yep, I. Already, and but sometimes you're you're ahead of the curve, and uh, and you let me know things before I see it. And also, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we both um, ran into each other. And uh, what? Where was the Guns and Roses show? Yeah, was it um, the Giant Stadium? Met, um, yeah, MetLife Stadium, Giant Stadium, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were there together, um, and uh, that was the uh, was, uh, was a few years ago now, at least, right? So it's when this uh, when the the reunion tour started. Yeah, then that was the I, I remember I went with my brother 
and my, uh, two of my friends who just got married the day before, and that was my wedding gift to them, was taking them to go see Guns N' Roses. That's right. I remember you telling me that at, uh, at the show when I saw you guys. And are we going to, because I'm terrible at geography, are you going to come to Austin City Limits? Because I'm going to Weekend 2 to see GNR. Uh, it's possible. It's always possible I might show up, but I haven't, uh, haven't planned on that yet. So all all depends. It's about a three hour ride for me, so it's not um, too bad. Not too shabby. Well, let me uh, let me know because it would be my first time in in Texas, and I need a tour guide. Well, at least it won't be as hot. <laughs> yeah. When, when I when I get home from my from my month long road trip that I'm on at the moment, uh, it will be very hot. So, I mean, it's how I mean, it's ninety here in New York. It's what is it a hundred there? Is it that bad? Um, it could be. I haven't actually looked at the temperatures out there. Um, I just know that my wife is, you know, has been talking about how hot it was. So. All right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the weather out there changes all the time. You know, it could be 106, 107 or more one day and then, you know, be in the 90s the next day. Oh. But the winters aren't bad. You get no snow and, and uh, you know, They're typically true. if it goes below 35, it's it's surprising. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that's why I like the indoor concerts, but now this is, I got to experience Guns N' Roses at a festival. I've yet to see them uh, at a festival type kind of show. Plus, I want to see The Cure and Third Eye Blind as well. So, I mean, to anybody who's going to Austin City Limits uh, weekend two, uh, hopefully I can I can meet you. But no, this was a pleasure, Bill. You know, I know we've been friends for a while, you know, co- co-workers at one time, but to actually do radio with you is it's something I will hold near and dear uh, for for quite a while. So thanks, man. Yeah, anytime, man. You know, anytime I can be of service, I'll, I'll be there to help out. I appreciate it. You take care, my friend. You too. So that does it for episode 132 of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks for hanging out. Whether you're listening on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Actually, if you just Google Appetite for Distortion podcast, you might actually find more platforms that we're on. Too many to keep track of. It's my own show, and sometimes I just find out where, oh, we're on Podbean? I don't know. Maybe they're in conjunction with SoundCloud or or something like that, but whatever. More platforms that we're on, the better, and and more of you who, who get to listen. And, of course, uh, you can also find us on AlternativeNation.net. Uh, So I think we answered the question of who in regards to Damon Johnson. But what about when? Referring to, well, the next episode of Appetite for Distortion. In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.